All right, we are in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. You guys want to open your Bibles there? Entitled this morning, Jesus our Redeemer. We'll be taking a look at all of chapter 2 together this morning, unless Jesus comes back first. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Hey, we were talking about you coming. And then you came again. That was so cool. (laughs) Anyways, um, there's 324 days until Christmas. You got that many more days to get your Christmas shopping done. Isn't that pretty exciting? But as I mentioned last week for you and I, it may be better that we actually learn about the Christmas story without all the distractions. I'm very blessed to be able to go through Uh, this with you this morning once again. Now, a little different angle of the Christmas story, as you might pick up from my outline. The king of the Jews, hunted by who? The king of the Jews. If that doesn't make sense to you, it will in a moment. (laughs) Also, we see the Redeemer becomes a refugee. Really? Jesus was a refugee? Yeah, we're going to look at that in verses 13 to 15, and then 16 to 18. We see Jesus being a target of genocide. And then we're going to look at being a refugee going to an IDP. Well, what is that? We'll find out in a moment. But first, we'll look at the king of the Jews, hunted by the king of the Jews. Let's look at verse 1 together of Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus had been born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold... Three wise men from the... Wait a minute. Does anybody have three wise men in there? No, I'm waiting for that nativity scene that has like a ton of wise men, you know? Because honestly, I think there probably were more than three, okay? Why? Because I want to hope that there's more than three people that were seeking the Savior. I'd want to hope that and think that. Um, So we have these wise men. They came from the east to Jerusalem saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, or Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time that the star had appeared. And he sent with them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Isn't that cool? What a good king, huh? Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed and they And then behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over, stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So let's take a look at these wise men. Back to verse 1. The Magi, oh, the Magi. They're a priestly caste of the Medes, possibly Daniel. Okay, our kids are learning about Daniel right now. We know that he was a captive, a slave to Babylon. 
he might have shared with the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, these wise men. Maybe he shared with them, check this out, Numbers chapter 24. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A star coming. When's the last time you guys saw a star appear? Anyone? No, right? A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter, a ruler, shall rise out of Israel. So it's about a star rising out of Jacob or out of Israel. Isn't that pretty cool to think of? So they were looking for this star. I want to pause for a second and let's go back to this good King Herod that we read about for a second. Uh, he was a short dude, 4'4". I think he had issues, okay? Um, he wanted to be tall, right? I'm going to build stuff, big stuff, right? He just had that mentality. He built a lot of palaces, fortresses, as you read history, entire cities, okay? Masada, um, Anyways, it goes on and on. Uh, the remodeling of the temple, he was known for doing that. But he was a very cruel and vicious king. He was, he was not a good king at all. Uh, Herod was not Jewish. He was hated by the Jews, even when he tried over and over again to win them over. Okay, He just couldn't do it. He married a Jewish woman even to try, uh, Hasmanin, um, built them a temple, um, uh, uh, Antipeter, uh, his dad, was, um, worked for Julius Caesar, of course, but found favor with Caesar, and he was dubbed king of the Jews. He got that from Caesar. Therefore, when he passed, Herod was able to take over his dad's title as being king of the Jews. So that's how he got the title that way. Um, he was very paranoid, okay? That's why he wanted to kill these babies. Any other threat to him being the king of the Jews, he was, that's why verse 2 makes a little more sense for you and I, having a little understanding of who Herod is. One night he killed his wife, his two sons later that eve. I mean, the guy was just trippy. He was scared. I don't want anybody taking my position, taking my place. Um, next day he felt bad about killing his own family. Okay, so I'm going to build a tower and let's dedicate it to them. Everything's good. <laughs> really? No, dude, okay? It's actually been said it's safer to be one of Herod's pigs than his son. <laughs> okay? um, so in his 70s, realizing Nud would mourn his death, he arrested 100 leaders in Jerusalem and ordered that when he would die, okay, that they would be instantly killed also. Thinking that, hey, if they're not going to mourn for me, at least they'll be mourning the day that I die because all of these beloved people, these leaders of Jerusalem will also be killed. You guys see how twisted and sick this man is? Verse 2, saying, where is he? Okay, speaking about the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For he has seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So the wise men weren't content with just seeing the star. They must see Jesus. And not only to see him, but also to worship him. Okay, I want you guys to catch what these wise men, how many of us want to be wise? I sure do. I look around the world, there's a whole lot of stupidity out there. People aren't logical, you know? That's why I'm bald. I scratch my head a lot. I'm just like, what is going on, okay? But one of the things, guys, and what I love about these wise dudes, <laughs> they wanted to see Jesus, and they worshiped, okay? It wasn't like, oh, guess who I saw? I saw the creator of the world, you know? No, they had this heart that wanted to worship because they understood rightly. They had the wisdom to know who Jesus was. And I want you guys to note too, it's two years later in a house. Did you guys catch that in verse 11? It's not the manger scene. These wise men didn't show up when Jesus was being born in a little barn, you know? Take that, Hollywood, you know? <laughs> 
Don't you guys wish they would just call you up? Hey, this is Hollywood. We're making a Bible movie. We got some questions. Is this right? Are we getting it right? Does it flow with scripture? Like, don't you think you'd want to check with <laughs> the source if you're going to be doing it? Anyways. But it's on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, verses 4 to 6. Some religious people may become well instructed in their Bibles and yet be all the worse for what they have discovered. Think about it. Did the Jews know the Bible? Absolutely. Okay? They know the word. Often by the times, time when a young man or woman would be of age, some of these guys had the whole Torah memorized. First five, yeah, the boring books. They're not that boring. They're really cool. But anyways, these young Jews, they would memorize the first five books of the Bible. That's pretty awesome. So did they know the word? Yeah, they knew the scriptures. They read. They knew it. But the Gentiles who didn't know the word of God, I'd have to say that they were really the wise men. They were the ones who were seeking the Savior who, hey, this is what the word says. We're going to go. We're going to follow. We're going to seek. We're going to find. You see, may we never be charged, may it never be charged against us that we were geniuses when it came to scriptural geography or prophecy or theology as a whole and yet miss him which the speakers the scriptures speak of never be inoculated with a mild form of Christianity so as to be rendered immune from the real thing verse 6 it says but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's pretty cool, huh? That's prophecy, isn't it? What? Yeah. That's how we know it's true. You guys know that God's the only one who can tell the future? You know? Man. I have a real hard time with people. Christianity's a joke. You are, are you really that foolish to believe? You know, guys... <laughs> God's proven it. You don't have to even look that hard. You just start reading a little bit of this supposed word of God and see that there's a God foretelling the future. There's all this prophecy. Only God alone, I mean, if you think about it, only God can tell the future. Wow. There's something different about that. I've never read anything else that's like, this, this is supernatural stuff. Maybe I should pay attention. Maybe I should listen up. Oh, you're foolish, you Christian. That's just a crutch. Why are you so foolish to believe such a thing? It's not foolish, it's logical. It just makes sense. Who's being foolish? Only a fool says in his heart there is no God. Sorry. I read some horrible articles this week. Horrible. Horrible. That's why I shared on the rapture during communion. I read a very respected Bible teacher people read his books and he just threw out nine reasons to disprove the rapture of the Bible and I'm reading and I'm just like yeah way to twist way to ignore how can you do away with the scripture in such a manner you, you say that you're true to the scriptures the way he's approaching the verbal nounage it's just ridiculous and literally, guys, there are tens of thousands of pastors who glean and lean at, like they don't study for themselves. You just need to look at what's, if you're taken away from the word of God, you're in trouble. You're going to have bad theology. We can't take away from scripture. You know, I got friends that have to worship on Saturday. It's just like you're taken away from the word of God. If you want to study and look when the church actually got together, the New Testament church messed on Sunday. If you read the fulfillment of what Christ did, he came to fulfill the law. He did it. We don't want to worship just one day away. We are people who worship in spirit and in truth. And the, the truth is, God is to be worshiped every minute of every day. You guys understand that? You know, and it's just crazy, the legalistic trips. 
my daughter is going to turn five and she wants to, she has her whole party planned out. She is so cute, down to a detail. I get to preach the gospel at her birthday party. That's, what she, that's part of what she wants. I'm so excited about that. But she wants to have a dance party, you know? And then we were reading about some persecuted saints last night, okay? And there are some religions, hey, within the church, Christian sects, that dancing is sin, period. And a man actually died because of that bad theology. That's how legalistic and dogmatic people got. And the only way you can come to a conclusion like that is if you're ignoring the whole of Scripture. That's why we take the whole counsel of God seriously. That's why I'm so excited. Are you guys reading this with me? Verse 6. This is Old Testament. I mean, <laughs> Matthew's grabbing from the whole of Scripture, speaking about the Messiah who was to come. And he was to be born where? Bethlehem. Read up on Bethlehem this week. Uh, there was one survey that I got to read that showed that the 10 biggest disappointments in tourism, Bethlehem was on the list. Number three. <laughs> you know? I'm like, seriously? Then why do people go there? People go there because that's where Jesus was born. Yeah, it's a dirty little city. There's really nothing to see there. But why do people go there? Because that's where the Savior of the world was born. We're going in 2020 to Israel. I hope you guys will join us. I met with uh, a sister in the Lord, Julie, uh, this week. Uh, she's going to help plan the trip. And we got to talk for about an hour and a half on what the trip might look like, some of the places we'd like to go, some of the things that are going to happen. And I'm pretty stoked. So start saving your monies, okay? Start stashing 100 bucks a month away. Uh, that's not a, a lot now, but if you wait till the last minute, I want to go, but how can I pay that much? Start saving now, okay? Be like the wise men. Um, yet, um, okay, let's move on from Bethlehem. Look at verse 8. Um, it says, he sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. What a wretch! Really? Worship him? Really? Ugh. Anyways, I think of these guys. I think of Herod. This type of mentality. And then I think of every church has its posers for the most part. Do you guys know that we're actually pretty safe here? There's something that I think happens when you take the word of God seriously. Posers don't want to stick around too long. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for them. I feel like God's protected us. But... I have a lot of pastor's friends, and I hear of this stuff happening all the time. Yeah, I'm a Christian, you know. I'm here at church because I'm a young single guy looking for young single women. That's all they're going for. They're looking for a wife. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you have a bulletin board here I can put my business card up on? <laughs> you know, I kid you not. I know personally people who have been a part of Amway or this or that, They've gone to these bigger churches, the richer churches, because they can find business there. Man. Sorry, I'll stop. There's just a lot of Christians that can go through the lingo, give lip service, and aren't the real thing. Okay? That's what I'm getting at. So watch out for lip service. Okay, especially you who are younger and are wanting to get married. Make sure you're marrying the real deal. <laughs> okay? Um, because yeah. it is. You can look at a person's life. You'll see the fruit. Sorry. My head's just going places it shouldn't. Look at verse 9 and 10. I got a slide for this one. Okay? Like it? We're talking about a star, right? <laughs> I want you guys to see how the stars above as well as the men below pay their respect to this newborn king. It's so cool. Praise him, all you stars of light. Um, Josephus, uh, he wrote a big book, his Jewish historian, Antiquities, um, 17. Uh, they didn't know exactly what, what the star was. People had all these ideas. Even in the day, they were trying to explain what was going on up there. Some have said that it's Jupiter. It was just Jupiter, you know, 
came alive in a blaze. Others said it was Jupiter and Saturn, that they lined up perfectly and made it that much brighter, you know, and just happened to stand there for two years in the same spot. Wow, I thought the planet... Anyways, a lot of different ideas out there. Some said it was a meteor, a, a meteor or a comet. Still others said it was not real, but it was just uh, their inner star leading them all the way. Um, no, this star stopped, guys. It stopped and stood over where Jesus was born. That's pretty cool, okay? Stopped, yeah. Can God do that? Yeah, only he can. Now look at verse 9. It said, it came and it stood over where the young child was. So no heart should rest till it finds Christ. Honestly, no heart should rest. But we see a world that's running after whatever, you know, trying to fulfill that void, fill their heart with something, and it's not going to work. We should look till we find God. Let's talk about the gifts that were brought. Gold for a mighty king, right? Frankincense for a priest. Um, they would offer it as a meal offering. And then there was the myrrh. It was a sap or an um, embalming fluid that was used uh, for a priest, um, or sorry, a prophet's burial is what they would use the myrrh for. So frankincense uh, is crystallized and doesn't give off an aroma until it's crushed. Think about that for a second. That's pretty cool. Um, so what did they do with the gold? What did they do with the gold? Do you guys know what they had to do? They had to leave again. Where are they going this time? Egypt. Does it cost to move? Yeah, absolutely. So what did that gold get used for? Okay. Well, God had this whole thing planned out. He's moving the pieces. Uh, we like to say where God guides, he will provide. Truly believe that. And some of you guys have stepped out in faith. I feel like God's calling me to do this. I'm getting set to go, but I don't have the money and the finances to do it. And wow, God provides. Guess that was of the Lord, you know? Um, so maybe another lesson that we learn from these wise men is those who look for Jesus will see him. Those who see him will worship him. Those who worship him will consecrate their lives or their substance uh, to him. It's just the way it goes. And you look at a brother or sister who's on with Jesus. You can tell, man, that is a brother or sister on fire for the Lord. I will tell you the one thing that each and every one of them has. They truly seek God. They truly seek God on a regular basis. That is the one common thing they all have. Because you cannot not seek God and have things happen to you in such a way. It's just the way it works. And when you seek him, he promises you will find me. He promises that. And when you find him, how can you not adore him, love him more, treasure him above other things? That's just the natural way it is. So if this is not happening in your life, this might hurt. But biblically speaking, truth and love, you're not really seeking God. You're seeking the things of this life and the cares of this life are weighing you down and are crippling you from what God's really intending. Seek first the kingdom of God. Didn't Jesus say that? Seek first. The first thing we do is seeking him. So, yeah, I like the example of the wise men. I also want us to note the order in the ancient writings were uh, never this way. You guys can search the scriptures, you can read other writings, uh, but the word order always has the adult spoken of first, and then if their child is mentioned, it's always after. But I love when we read this account, because who's always mentioned first? The child. And it's so cool because that speaks to the um, reality of the centrality of Christ. He is the center. He is what it is all about. Note, they worship him. 
It's not, hey, we've come to worship Mary and Joseph. You guys are so great. You're mommy and daddy to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No. It is Jesus. It is always Jesus. And they give their gifts to him. Not to Mary and Joseph. The gifts are to him. Okay? So, we also know they didn't come to get, but to meet and to give to worship, to give gifts. That's why they came. Isn't that what we do when we come to church? Hey, we've come to worship. We've come to give to you, Lord. That's what we're doing. So come to Christ and to give him your worship, your substance, and really yourself. That's what it is. I am here for you. All right, let's look at verse 13. We're going to look at the Redeemer becomes a refugee. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. I want you guys to be catching how much Joseph is sleeping as we go through this. What is it? Psalm 127, whom the Lord loves, he gives sleep. I love it. This is a gift, especially with a young child. Um, <laughs> the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Rise! Take the young child and his mother. Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to, to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. So here starts the other side of the Christmas story. I hope you guys are seeing what's going on, the full picture here. We're going to talk about refugees in the Christmas story? A holocaust in the Christmas story? Yeah! Now, a refugee is a person who's been forced to leave their country in order to escape war, persecution, or a natural disaster, otherwise asylum seeker. Okay? Uh, we also have... Uh, migrants, um, really, um, if you consider the refugees, they're forced to flee their homes, right? To seek safety in another country, oftentimes without warning, where migrants are people who make a conscious decision to leave their countries because they want to better their life. Okay, does that make sense? I want to go to the United States. Okay, it's the land of the free. There's opportunities there. Okay, if you work hard, you can make a life, a living. It's safe. That's why we have so many people that want to come here. And I'm glad that we do take in people. But do you guys know that it's a very, very, very small percentage and we're tripping over it so, so much? You know? And even in regards to um, refugees in the world, people that really need a place, not just seeking a better life, but those that are displaced, that have no home. Do you guys know that the United States takes in less than, it's like almost like 1% of 1%. It's so little compared to other countries and peoples. Um, I wish we did take in more people. I think we've been very blessed here in America in a lot of ways. But that means I might lose a job and I might not have as much. Check your heart. All right. So um, statistics tell us that there's 51.2 million refugees today. That's a lot. Think about that for a second. If they were a country, they would be the 26th largest country in the world. That's a lot of people who are refugees. One-third of Syria is displaced. Think about that. A third of their country is displaced. There are 42,500 individuals forced to flee their homes per day due to the conflict and the persecution going on in the Middle East. Over 42,000 daily. Think about that, guys. Are we catching that? So how fast is it growing, guys? It's increasing like crazy. There's a fourfold uh, that's just taken place in the last four years alone. This is happening right now in our world, right now. 
I want you guys to picture this. In the last six days, we would have uh, every man, woman, and child in Kakana, Kimberly, Grand Chute, Appleton, Nina Menasha, all jumping on the interstate <laughs> and heading out of town because we've been pushed out. Think about that. This is happening right now, today. So, look at verse 13. They're said to take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. How would you respond? How would you respond to that news? Lord, enough is enough. Please, Lord, bless King Herod with an aneurysm or a huge heart attack. What in the heck is going on? Why us? That, that would have been my prayer. I'll be honest with you guys. Don't you guys think they've been through enough? When is enough enough? Verse 14, Joseph, as guardian of, his, of this child, left his home, right? He left his business. He's left his family and his friends. And even now his country crossed over the Negev desert there all for this toddler. So who said following the Lord would be easy? Well, the church up the street says so. I don't know what Bible they're reading. I don't see that taught in Scripture, guys. There's a very clear theology of suffering taught in the whole, the whole of Scripture. I mean, if our Lord and Savior went through it, what makes us more worthy? Okay? You see, you may be in that season where you're having an Egyptian experience. Maybe you're being called away for a time. Go and stay put till he brings your word. Isn't that what they did? And he was obedient. So if we're thinking about what's going on here, this is about seven mile, 75 miles down from Bethlehem's border, uh, all the way down to Egypt, to the border there. 150 miles from Bethlehem to Alexandria. Okay, some commentators guess this is where they ended up. If you guys study a little bit, there were a lot of Jews that landed in Alex and, uh, Alexander the Great, Alexandria. Okay, they established, they allowed synagogues to be built there. And the reason why is because there were so many displaced Jews that already landed there that had their own synagogue and schools going on, their own little communities. And we still see that today, even here in the States. I don't know if you guys have traveled much or road tripped and you come into a community and you're like, whoa, there's Jews with their coats and their hats. There's a lot of them. What are they doing? Oh, it's Saturday morning. You know, <laughs> They're going to synagogue. Um, anyways, remember the promise, you will be called out of Egypt back in Numbers 24, verse 8. That was a promise. So this was God's plan all along. Some of us might be like, what is this Christmas story? Why would God allow it? He didn't just allow it. He planned all of this. This was all for a purpose. Just like his children 1,500 years earlier that he delivered from Egypt. What? For the glory of God. Established a nation during the time there. He has purposes. Some of you guys might be like, why me? Why this? Why now? Why here? Knock it off. God is God. Let him be God. Just trust. So let's move on. Jesus becomes this target of genocide. Verses 16 and 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to a time which had determined from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because 
they are no more. So this is the first Holocaust victims. You guys see what's going on here? Verse 16, what ends will you go to for your own selfishness? That's the question. It's ridiculous the things we want to do or are willing to do just because I want this. It's got to be my way. Think about it. It's happening all around us. We've got a jailhouse that's completely full. You know? Green Bay is completely full. Why are people in jail? Self-centeredness stuff. You know? Why do people get divorced? Self-centeredness stuff. Okay? Why are there poor among us? People are self-centered. It's all about me. I don't care if they got food or clothes to wear. It's all about me. Why are people lonely? I mean, the list can go on and on, right? Verse 18. What's up with this Rama? Where's Rama? Glad you asked. Bethlehem was about five miles south of Jerusalem. Okay, it's that close. It wasn't that far. Rama's five miles north. So I picture Herod. All right, baby's born. Rama's prophesied of. Bethlehem. Here's our map. I'm going to take a circle. <laughs> Ten miles around. <laughs> um, go and kill every baby that's 10 miles north or south of Jerusalem that is two years old and younger. Isn't that just wicked? Killing babies. Wicked. I don't know if you guys caught it this last week, but a bill tried to get passed. We're killing millions of babies, not just whoever's in a 10-mile radius. No, 50-state radius. Up to the time they're born. I mean, you can kill a baby. It might not be born today, but it would be tomorrow. But that's really not a baby. Therefore, we're allowed to murder and kill that baby. They tried to pay us a bill. They can figure out when a, a baby actually feels pain. You guys know baby grows a lot in those nine months <laughs> and they can start feeling pain at a certain point and they try to pass a bill like hey we see this is wrong because the baby now feels pain at this point you know abortion is a horrible thing I know some of you have gone through it personally I know we have friends and family who have gone through it you know but the thing that's hard it's just okay and a bill is tried to pass to speak to there's something wrong with this. Maybe not a bill saying the whole thing's wrong, but we see even in part that some part of it's wrong. That can't even pass. You guys see how dark our world is, how selfish our world is? You know? And that's something, every time I read through this and I think about this Holocaust, you know, it's just like, wow, they just didn't know better. I think that's the mentality of a lot of people when they read the scriptures. They just didn't know better then. No, the same thing's going on today. We haven't grown up. We haven't learned from our mistakes. You know? I do praise God for those who have learned from their mistakes. God's given them a platform to be a light, to be a witness. You guys know that? Because all of us, before we knew Christ, we were extremely selfish. We're still selfish if we're honest. But we have the Holy Spirit that's now revealing truth. That life's really not about us. It's all about Him. <laughs> and in that, there's things that God's doing and we're loving. And as God is challenging us and we are dying to self and we're being sanctified, God's able to use those things that once we came from for His glory. Do you guys know that? He can use our testimony to be a light, to be a witness. And I want to encourage you guys, use whatever platform you got. Use whatever platform you got. I'll be honest with you, I don't really care so much about the Super Bowl being today, but I have followed more articles going into a Super Bowl than I ever have before. And it's just because there's a lot of boring in believers who are playing in today's game and I just love them sharing Jesus. Like, hey, what's life all about? It's about making disciples. It's about loving God, loving others. 
And I'm just loving hearing this stuff come. And they're really kids. I'm starting to get old. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but you look at a football player and you're like, man, you're just a kid. You know, I'm not much older than them, but they're starting to look really young. And it's just so cool seeing these young men just standing up for their faith. And I just want to encourage you guys, use whatever platform God's given you to be a light. Shine for Jesus, amen? Amen. Um, let's throw out a little history for you and I this morning. If we go back when the Babylonians invaded Judah, that was uh, 586 B.C. They carried the Jews captive to Babylon. Okay, Jeremiah 40 talks about that. Okay, and tells us that the deportation headquarters was where? Ramah. I think that's pretty cool. We're reading about that this morning. This is where the headquarters was for all of this taking place and happening and moving forward. And once again, uh, there was weeping in Ramah, we read about. So the full fulfillment of this prophecy is coming to pass. Now Herod hopes that in this first Jewish holocaust that they would kill the Christ child. Now life is precious from the baby in the womb to the elderly on their deathbed. Okay? Life is precious. Do you guys know that? doesn't matter what stage of life. Life is precious. Something I can see on the other side of the coin, you know, uh, is our elderly are being neglected and abused. I don't know if you guys know this, but we are one of the few people groups on the planet that, hey, mom and dad are getting old. Let's put them away in a nice, nice home where they'll be taken care of. Do you guys know that most people in the world actually take care of their parents in their own homes until they pass? That's the way it is. Um, and it's hard. You know, I visit my grandmother. She's in a home and there are people there where nobody comes ever, ever to visit. You know, and it's just easy. And I'm guilty of it. I mean, out of sight, out of mind. You know, and I think that's just an easier thing for our selfishness to handle. Um, anyways, do what you want with that. Uh, life is precious to the Lord. And because life is precious to the Lord, it is a gift that he has given to each of us, Right? We've got to understand the Lord is the one that gives it, and he's the one that'll, that'll take it. Um, I read an article by Adni uh, Gamir, uh, did a blog that was called um, Thoughts on the Holocaust, and she explained in this, in light of Holocaust Memorial Day, which was, does anybody know when it was? January 27, just in the last couple weeks, Okay. Why didn't I know about that? Well, exactly. That's kind of the point of her article. I'm just going to share a couple things with you from it. It says, why don't we stop the world on January 27th? Why don't we all take some time off and reflect? Why did it happen? Why didn't anybody stop the massacres? Why weren't there more people who spoke up, who overcame their fear? Why did so many innocent people have to die in the most gruesome way? How can we stop it from happening again? Is it happening? And that got me. Got me thinking. Is it happening today? You see, the attitude of the Nazis that they had towards their own race and towards the Jews, we see it clearly, we see it clearly today in the Burma government and the religious leaders there that they have towards their own population. Okay? They're the Rohingya people. Some of you guys might be like, who are the Rohingya people? They've been in the news a lot over the last 10 years. I haven't seen them. You guys need to stop watching the news here in America. Start checking out worldwide news. Okay? Uh, you kind of get a glimpse into what's, it's not all about us, what's happening just to us. No, what's going on <laughs> in our world? And the sad thing is, some of the same things the Nazis said about the Jews, the Burma government is actually saying, these religious leaders are saying about the Rohingya. Like, they are a virus that we need to get rid of. Like, we need to either send them all out of our country, or we need to fence them all in. Like, we can withhold food and medicine from them for as long as we find necessary. This is going on today, guys. 
One in 300 survivors of the Auschwitz concentration camp, this man by the name of Roman Kent, he's 87 now. When he was 85, I saw an interview, he had tears in his eyes when he recalled the horror of what he had survived. And his plea to the world was this, and I loved what he said. He said, let us add one more commandment to the Ten Commandments. You shall not be bystanders. You shall not be bystanders. That resonated. You see, are we going to remember the death of thousands of innocent victims 70 years from now and ask ourselves, why in the world did we let this happen? Or are we going to change history by starting to protest what is happening uh, to the Rohingya people? But wait, the Jews knew the Old Testament, right? They studied the scriptures and they knew from chapters 30 to 33 were very unique to Jeremiah in that they were chapters of hope. There is a hope for the world, guys. Jesus is the answer. The Rohingya people, they're predominantly Muslim, a few Hindus. Who cares? My Savior cares. Guys, he came and died for those people. That's the bottom line. I want to share with you guys the passage out of Jeremiah 31. Verse 15, it says, Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard out of Ramah, right? Lamentation, bitter weeping. You see where Matthew was quoting this from? Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded says the Lord, they shall come back from the land of the enemy and there is hope in your future. I love that. Says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. So the same with this lamentation, weeping and mourning. Today there's suffering yet soon to be salvation. You guys understand that? There is to be salvation. The mothers of Bethlehem, like Rachel, weeping, okay, only weep because of their present situation. But like Rachel, the tears were not in vain and not forever. Verse 18, back in Matthew 1 or 2, tells us, because they are no more. Oh, yes, they are. Think about it with me for a second, guys. Their children are. They are with him. Isn't that cool to think about? Even though this horrible thing, unspeakable thing has happened, they are with him. And believing moms can expect to see them again. Abortions, stillborns, SIDS, early death. Tells us they refuse to be comforted. They would have been more if they knew through their little ones were slain the children's friend had escaped and lived to be the savior of all, right? All who died before committing actual transgression. So these children died that he might live so he could die that they might live. Do you guys see the big picture here? Okay. And these babies, well, are they just collateral damage then in the progress of this redemptive history of ours. No, no, think about this with me. They're a blessed part of God's plan too. I believe God took them immediately into his presence. I think that's pretty cool. And they will be in heaven as part of the worshipers saved by God's divine grace, okay? It's by grace alone. So I believe they were taken directly from their mother's arms into the arms of God. But for those parents who have lost their children, weeping and wailing, went up from the streets of Bethlehem in Ramah, even for godly pilgrims on this side of eternity, loss of this earthly life seems like the greatest loss possible, but it isn't. The greatest loss is to live a life, a long life, and to neglect the life that's to come. And that's what the vast majority of people are doing today. They don't care about God. They don't seek Him. Okay? 
How many millions will tune in for a football game today? Hundreds of thousands of people have traveled to Minneapolis this weekend to see what? For Christians, guys, physical death is the defeated foe, but because of Jesus, okay? It's because of him. But it's still an enemy, yet death, like all other enemies of God's people, is still under Christ's control, for he alone holds the keys. So death does God's bidding, even as human wrath unconsciously serves to execute his will. His will. Um... I want to share just a little more on the abortion thing for a second. Um, I've literally ministered to dozens and dozens of women and men who've gone through abortions. Okay, um, It's neat when you're ministering to someone who's come to the saving faith of Jesus Christ because they have that very real hope that even in that act of selfishness of sin, Okay? There has been a true repentance in coming to knowing Jesus Christ, true faith. They know even in the brokenness of it, okay, in the regret of it, that they're going to be able to see their baby again. And that is a beautiful, beautiful reality. And that's a reality that we get to share with those who have gone through. Because you, I don't know if you know this or not, but most women who go through an abortion end up regretting it. Okay, it, it, it haunts them. And we have the answer. We have the hope to that problem. We have the solution in Christ and the good news. We get to share that with them. Now, you guys are going to hear my other side of my heart. <laughs> with it, with people who are killing these babies because it's just an inconvenience. I think abortion is wrong. You guys need to know that. I just believe it's wrong. And I might be wrong in thinking this or saying this, but part of me, I'm like, that's okay. For a child to be born to a person that has that type of heart, where would you rather have that child be? In the loving arms of our Heavenly Father, our Savior? Or to grow up in a home that didn't even really want that child, is going to neglect that child of a mom or dad that doesn't know the truth of who Jesus is, does no clue of eternal life. You know what I'm saying? I might be wrong in thinking that. It hurts when I hear about abortions happening. It does hurt. Like, man, it just sucks. But my heart flips right away. Well, at least they're with Jesus. At least they're with Jesus, with somebody that loves them and wants them. That's where my heart goes. Okay? I hope you don't judge me harshly on that, but that's what my head often thinks. But I want you guys to know that there is a place for us to speak into this Holocaust that's going on today. And I think the church doesn't talk about it enough, to be honest with you guys. If you follow me on social media, you guys see me post nothing about political stuff. I really don't care a whole lot. But you will see from time to time that I'm posting things in regards to politics when it comes to abortion. I think it's just one of those things the church does need to have a voice in and to speak. And I want to encourage you guys. I know some of you guys also share posts. Be real. You might offend people, but that's okay. Because if we're not offending anybody, then is anything actually happening? You guys ever think that? (laughs) Okay, it's going to rub people. And I've been thankful in my life when people have said things to me that offended me because it really made me check myself and ask questions. And through it, either I've been grounded more in the truth (laughs) or I've been challenged where I had some repenting. You're right. I am wrong in the way I'm thinking or what I'm doing. You know, it's, it's good and we should receive that. So thank you for the time for that side note. Let's go and wrap this up. Uh, Verses 19 to 23, from refugee to IDP. Uh, Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to to Joseph. See, sleeping again in Egypt. Saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. And those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. 
And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee. And he came and he dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall call or shall be called a Nazarene. So no, so you guys are probably asking, what's an IDP? Well, it's an internationally displaced person. It's someone who is forced to flee his or her home, but remains within uh, the same country. Okay? A few days before his death, Herod had named Antipas as his successor, but in his late moments, he was named uh, Achilles. Verse 19, when Herod was dead, okay, uh, obedience conquers the sword. You guys know that? I mean, look at Joseph versus Herod in this chapter. Okay, God blesses obedience. Verse 19 also talks about um, Joseph uh, sleeping again. He had the gift to sleep four times in this chapter. You guys catch that? I love it. He's my example. He's my now go-to guy. Uh, verse 22, the blessed king's day were not spent in the royal court, but within common peoples of the melting pot of Galilee. So today, Lord, meet us in our humble Galilees. Um, and God even used wicked rulers to steer us, as we see in verse 22. So just a couple lessons. Believers aren't exempt from trials, right? Okay? The wise men weren't uh, uh, from Herod. Mary and Joseph had to flee for their lives. Multiple innocent babies killed at the mad puppet king uh, by the king there. Uh, the safest place on earth, here's another lesson, is to be where God leads you. You understand that? Safest place to be. What if I go there and I get killed? Awesome. You're in heaven. That's what I want to have happen. <laughs> yeah, I want to be with Jesus. So wise men, if you think about this, they follow a star led to the Christ child. Wise men follow God's instructions in a dream. They escape Herod's wrath. Joseph follows the angel's instructions in a the dream. They escape to Egypt. Joseph follows God's instructions in a dream. He escapes from Archelaus. In the big lesson, God is in control. Did you guys see that? He's in charge. That should be the one big takeaway from this chapter. God's got it. He's got a plan. He's in charge. Everything that happened in this Christmas story, it was planned out by God. I hope you guys can rest in that. God's gotcha. Because our stories, man, they're always changing, aren't they? Some stuff's exciting. Some stuff is rough. But God's got it. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Well, Heavenly Father, we just want to take a moment, Lord, and just ask that your Holy Spirit would just allow these things to sink in. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that you have promised to all men, if they would seek you, they would find you. And you've even gone way beyond that, Lord. You're out there convincing people even now of truth. convicting of sin. If anybody just turns and looks, they're going to find, and I thank you for that. We all thank you for that. We thank you for your grace so much. Or we are sorry for the selfishness in our lives and the selfishness that's still there. Father, even now being a child of yours, God, we pray that you just help us to continue to die to self, to Allow your spirit to change us, to form us, to make us more like you, Jesus. We thank you that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I pray if anybody here today is just feeling condemned because of the past, because of sin, of struggles, Lord. Father, I pray that you just speak truth into their life. Let them know that they are more than conquerors, that they are loved. God, that you have made a way of escape. You're there for us. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray, Father, 
that we all here at Freedom would be like the wise men, that we would just keep seeking you, Father, every day of our lives, that we would rightly worship and glorify you, that we live for you, for you with all that we have, our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To your glory, Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, benediction. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete for every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory be forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen.